0: Morning. Okay, today's reading is taken from the book of Philippians. That's on page one thousand one hundred and eighty. Chapter starting at chapter three, verses seven to eleven. That's page one thousand one hundred and eighty. Philippians three starting from verse seven to eleven. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him and and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want, to know, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the end. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Do keep that open, if you would, and uh, let me lead in prayer. Lord, we've sung it, and we pray it now that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we would see you, as it were, in the pages of Scripture, that we would know you in our lives. For our good we pray that, but for your glory as well. Amen. Well, it's a great thing to remember the good things in our lives. Um, Maybe the most beautiful view you've ever seen, you've got a picture of it somewhere at home, or the most incredible taste you've ever sampled, you can kind of imagine it now. Um, The most tender moment you've experienced, the most heartfelt expression of affection. It's why... Remembering those things has become a sort of industry, hasn't it? Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and, well, before that, it was just the local um, photo developer and you've got an album at home on your shelf, I'm sure, or many albums of memories of those holidays, of those moments that you've uh, gone through, those, those real highs. They're wonderful things in our lives and we rightly remember them, we rightly treasure them, they're God's gifts to us. But do you realise that no matter how many wonderful things and how wonderful the wonderful things were, that according to verse 8 of what we've just read, even the most wonderful thing is nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. That's what Paul writes, that's what he shares. Uh, what he has in mind, uh, in, in terms of the comparison, um, is what comes earlier in the chapter. Uh, he's, he's comparing it with his religious achievements as a Pharisee. They used to be really, really important to him. But now he says, verse 8, for Christ's sake he has lost all things that he might gain Christ. His all-consuming passion, verse 10, I want to know Christ. And so as we hear Paul reflect on his own sort of inner workings, his own experience, it's an invitation to us all to say, well, okay, have we yet discovered what he's discovered? Have we discovered that even the best things in our lives for which we're really, really thankful are not as good as knowing Jesus? There is a surpassing worth in knowing Jesus. That's what he's sharing. Not just as a a means to an end. um, It's not just, you know, great, excellent, back pocket, ticket to heaven. Uh, He means a friendship with Jesus in his life. He knows that. He knows Jesus with him always because Jesus promises to be that for his people. He knows Jesus' love, to know Jesus' love, to know always that I am loved and safe and accepted through Jesus is the most wonderful thing. To discover something, an experience of his goodness, of his constant affection, of his, his glory, the, the wisdom that is his. That actually as we trust what he says is the way to live and we start to live that way, we discover in our experience of even when it's hard and there's sacrifices that actually it's good. Paul realises what a privilege all of that is. What a privilege to know the living God to know God. What an extraordinary statement for that to be true in our lives. And yet it is, through Jesus Christ, if we put our faith in him, it is of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, knowing God through his Son. Well, as he speaks in this way, he highlights two particular things in what we read. Two things, begin with R, which is not me being a clever preacher, it's just that they're both there and they're both beginning with R. One's righteousness by faith and the other is resurrection from death. So those are two of the things that Paul just focuses in on, what it means to know Jesus and how wonderful it is, how blessed it is to be someone who has discovered him and, and come to him. Uh, Let's look at the first of those, verse 9. Paul talks about being found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And I think the Winter Olympics are going to help us to understand this. Stay with me. Um, I don't know about you, I've been genuinely amazed at uh, what I've seen on the... um, when I've clicked the links on the BBC website, some of the things that people have been doing in the Winter Olympics—you know, they, I think particularly the kind of snowboarders and skiers and those kind of uh, big air things—and you just think, "Gosh, you know, upside, are they going to? Oh, oh, they landed! Oh my goodness me!" And just the sort of—it's—I've just been slightly awestruck. Uh, they uh, can do and have been doing what I've never done and never will do. Uh, You might be a brilliant snowboarder, but I'm I'm nowhere near where they are, and most of us are nowhere near where they are. Uh, Chloe Kim, Sean White, never heard of either of them before two weeks ago, but 98 and 97 out of 100, it's brilliant, isn't it? Well, that contrast between them being able to do that and us kind of going, wow is even more so when it comes to Jesus Christ and righteousness, living the right way in life when the pressure's on and when it's the hardest. Because Jesus, when he lived his life, was 100 out of 100, not just in the Olympic final, but every single day of his life, even when it was the hardest, even when the pressure was really on, And it was intense. We read often in Lent of when Jesus was led out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days without food and then tempted. Uh, Tempted face to face by the devil in some way. And yet, 100 out of 100, Jesus came through that experience. We read at the end of his life where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating drops of blood as he... Uh, anticipates the death on the cross that he's about to go through as he pays for the wrongdoing of you and me and the world. And what does he say in all the midst of that? Father, not my will, but yours be done. A hundred out of a hundred is how he lived his life every day. And the reason that's such good news is that God's presence to be with God in the new heavens and new earth that Hannah was praying for... It's a, it's a hundred out of a hundred sort of place, the future, with God. It's, it's a pure place, a perfect place, utterly wonderful for hundred out of a hundred type people. And now in Jesus, the human race has got someone, at last, who's made the greys. But as I explain it like that, we think, well... That's great. It's great for him. It's a bit like, you know, it's a bit like watching the Olympics on your TV or on your computer. You think, well, they can do it. I can't. Good for them. They get the gold medal. Hooray. What about the rest of us? The difference with Jesus is he wants to share what he has done with you and me and everyone in the world who puts their faith in him. It's as though Jesus' gold medal has got the longest ribbon that the world has ever seen on it. Okay? So, uh, and the purpose of that ribbon is so that it can be extended to go around your shoulders. And we've got a challenge on, folks. We're grown-ups. Alex is little. So, we're going to rise to the challenge, and we're going to focus, okay? Yeah? Great. (laughs) So imagine Jesus, he's the gold medal winner. He's the 100 out of 100 human being. He extends what he's done to go around your shoulders and my shoulders. That's the incredible wonder of what Jesus Christ has achieved for everyone who puts his or her faith in him. Um, Paul describes it in verse 9 as being found in him. He's talking about being included with Jesus. A bit like, so if I get a pen... And put it inside the Bible. It's found in the Bible now. And it means where this Bible goes, the pen goes. It's, if you look for the pen, you see the Bible. It's found in it. And Jesus is able to do that for you and for me and for the whole human race if we put our faith in him before God. That actually as God looks at you and me and judges your life and my life, he sees the hundred out of a hundred of Jesus given to us too. So that we're ready for his presence, for his perfection, for his beauty. We're ready to share that with him. And that is the remarkable news of the Christian story. Paul talks in verse 9 about not having a righteousness of my own. He's saying, listen, it's not that I can do backflips on a snowboard. I can't do a triple toe loop on the ice rink. I can, Let alone run uh, face first down a, a bobsleigh run on a tea tray of what these extraordinary people have been doing. I can't do any of those things and I can't do the equivalent when it comes to righteousness either. I can't always speak words that build other people up and give glory to God like I ought to do. I haven't got a mind and a heart that's pure in its motivations and its imagination, actions that I can always be proud of. I I haven't won a medal of my own for righteousness, says Paul. But Jesus shared his with me. It's round my neck now. I can feel the weight of it. And it's wonderful. He says, I have, verse 9, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And we see, if we read back into the verses just before, how what a turnaround that was for Paul. Look at verse 6. He, he says, actually, as I think about my past life as a Pharisee, I was pretty good at law-keeping. In terms of righteousness based on the law, he says, self-assessment, faultless. He was an automatic pick for the Pharisees' Olympic team, was Paul. But then he met Jesus. And he realized that a righteousness on the law, based on the law, that he'd reckoned that he was faultless at, that had actually kept him from God. What a remarkable thing to realize. It had kept him from God because he was depending on his abilities to keep the law. It was only in Jesus, when he saw Jesus, when he met Jesus on that uh, road to Damascus a long time ago, that it it brought him to the point of realising, gosh, only Jesus has got the righteousness that's enough for God. Even if he did score more than most as a Pharisee, which he did, he still was nowhere near a hundred out of a hundred. Only Jesus was. Only Jesus had died to pay for his sins as well as the sins of the world. So in verse 7 and 8, uh, as he thinks about this, he, uh, if you imagine a sort of, I don't know if you've ever done this, a sort of balance sheet or a sort of list of pros and cons, list of positives and negatives. He does that with a sort of spiritual balance sheet. He does it all on a piece of paper and he writes one column, profit, another column, loss, and he gets this righteousness based on the law and his law keeping, his past, his track record, his ethnicity, his heritage, he gets all of that and he thinks, well, which column shall I put that in? Is that in the profit column or the loss column? Do you, do you see from what, looking down what he puts it in? His, his heritage, his track record as a Pharisee, his law keeping, he says all of that, loss. Isn't that a bit of a surprise? Surely we think well come on you're a good jewish um, man you're a leader you know the bible you know you've you've tried your best surely that's going to give you a head start as a christian isn't it no he says loss all that did was make me think i'd done enough and that i didn't need jesus that's now in the loss column the only thing in the prophet column is jesus but that's everything everything I need to be righteous before God, Jesus has given to me, says Paul. It's wonderful and remarkable too. And notice he doesn't try to do what I think we might be tempted to do, which is say, hang on a minute, okay, profit and loss, why don't we just create another little column over here? It seems a bit radical to put all that you've done in the past in the, in the loss column. Gosh, that seems, oh, that seems a bit, whoa, why don't we just make another little column over here, a sort of never-know-when-it-will-come-in-handy column, or something like that, a kind of fallback? You know, so if the Jesus option doesn't work out, well, we've always got this to fall back on. No, Paul, Paul, Paul's not interested in doing that. He's not interested in doing that. He's saying, well, no, this is, it really is loss. It's, it didn't help me at all. It kept me from God. He doesn't hedge his bets. He, doesn't, he puts all his eggs in Jesus' basket. And the reason I'm highlighting that is I think it's really important for Christians. Uh, the, the challenge for us, I think, if we start to follow Jesus, is we start to change a bit, maybe, and we think, you know, I've kept my resolution for Lent so far. Uh, <coughs> I'm doing well. I'm a good Christian. I'm sorting my life out. Surely that counts for something, doesn't it? Doesn't it sort of add a bit? Now, of course, it's brilliant if we're growing as Christians. We want to grow as Christians. We want to know Jesus better. We want to see change in our lives. But it doesn't make us more righteous than we already are in Christ. See, if we're in Christ, we're already righteous in him. And so the the expression that uh, others have used, which I love, actually, is true, that There's nothing we can do to make God love us more and nothing we can do to make God love us less. In Christ we're accepted, we're judged and viewed as as he is. You see, that's how we get right with God. We receive it as a gift by putting our faith in Jesus. It's a gold medal around our necks. We're ready now uh, for him forever through a gift. That's what knowing Jesus means. That's why Paul's on about surpassing worth. It's wonderful. So knowing Jesus means righteousness by faith and secondly it means resurrection from death. So Paul has given us earlier in the letter, chapter 1 verse 27, he's given us his life motto. For me to live is Christ. Christ. And to die is gain. Well, here he expands that life motto. If you look down to verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's what being in Christ means. It means that what's true of him is true of everyone in him. And it means that there's a link between us and him, which is the case when it comes to resurrection. It means that we're linked to his resurrection in two ways. Something now, we know the power of his resurrection now, and something one day, which is verse 11, which is resurrection from the dead on the final day. The now, the power of his resurrection now is to grow and to change, to become more like Jesus. We need resurrection Because we're dead without Jesus, that's how the Bible diagnoses us in our sin. When we choose to go away from God and go wrong, we end up spiritually dead. We need resurrection to come to life at all with a relationship with God. And he does it all the time for those who put their faith in him. He delights to do it, but we need it. We need resurrection, and we need resurrection because the Holy Spirit who comes to live in our lives and and is leading us to be more like Jesus is wanting to put to death sin wherever he finds it. He's wanting certain things that we're doing, thinking and saying, to, to die out in our lives, and so we need resurrection so that there's going to be new life that grows back in the place of what dies. But that's what God commits, his resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead literally is committed to us to change us. It means we can change with God's help over time. We grow like Jesus as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And do you notice that uh, we will share not only, but from the, verse 10, we'll share not only a sort of a growing a power, we'll also share in Christ's sufferings. You see that? The two go together. I guess that um, part of that says we get to know Jesus. um, There's going to be a pushback internally from our sinful nature that doesn't want to die. So it's painful to change sometimes. And there's also going to be something, because following Jesus, knowing Jesus is a public thing, and there'll be a pushback when people around us don't like that, don't like what we stand for or uh, believe, and we might have to suffer... Something, just like Jesus did um, uh, as he uh, was faithful to God. But you see from verse 10, you can't have the power without the pain. The two go together. And Paul knew that only too well, didn't he, as he wrote this letter. Remember, he's uh, in prison as he writes it, possibly facing death. And he just says, bring it on. Bring it on. We're all going to die one day. We can't cling on to life. So let's use it. Let's use it to get to know the one who we're going to spend eternity with. Because wonder of wonder, mysteries of mysteries, somehow, says Paul, in verse 11, being in Christ means resurrection from the dead for us in the future, just like it did for Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful hope to live with? Every day... To live knowing, actually, as I journey through the day, as I journey to a future where one day I will die, as Paul would put it, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's a wonderful thing to live with every day, and particularly for those of our members of our church who are in the last lap or two of life. This is the week uh, that uh, Billy Graham went to be with Jesus, aged uh, 99. A quote from him that's been circulating is really inspiring in this regard, adapted from D.L. Moody another great evangelist a century before. Graham said, Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive then than I am now. I will have just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. Isn't that beautiful? And it's exactly what's meant here. Exactly the hope of the resurrection. In the words of one commentator, while his physical body may have worn out at age 99, he is still very much alive and the life he lives right now is a life that will never end. We've sung it already, haven't we? Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. What could be greater than to know and be known by the Son of God who makes us righteous simply through faith in him? That's all we need to put our faith in him. Gold medal around our necks, treated like he is by the living God. What could be greater than that? What could be greater than knowing one who shares his resurrection power with us now to change us and one day to raise us from the dead to be with him forever?